Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Links and Locks Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast, presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm joined here alongside Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar. And this week, we're going to be previewing the Players' Championship. It's the crown jewel of the PGA Tour. It's Pete Dye's arguably best property down there in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. And for me personally, it's my favorite back nine on the PGA Tour. And it's always a dramatic finish with 16, 17, and 18 featuring water everywhere. You got to make a shot. You could hit a, you could make a birdie or an eagle if you execute well, and you could make a bogey or an other if you don't. So, guys, let's get into the Players Championship this week. And Nick, I'll start with you. What is your best bet for the week? I'm going to go Wyndham Clark top forty. I believe two to one plus two hundred is out there everywhere. Wyndham Clark, the uh, what everybody thinks he's a bomber. I'm in love with the iron play up late. Let's go Wyndham Clark. I like that one. I'm intrigued to hear more about it in a moment. Spencer, what's your best bet this week? So this number has moved a little bit. You might have to shop around to find it, but it is going to be Billy Horschel at anything that would be, let's say, sub minus 135 against Gary Woodland in a head-to-head matchup. So Billy Ho, a guy who went to the University of Florida not too far down the road, and I believe he also lives in the Ponte Vedra Beach area as well. So that's an interesting play. Uh, I'm going to go with Justin Sutt, top 40, at plus 187 on bet365. Before we hear about my top 40 play, Nick, what do you like about Wyndham Clark, top 40 this week? So Wyndham Clark, I was talking to Spencer about it earlier. He has gained strokes approach, I believe, in four or five straight events, finishing within the top 40 of all those events, three of them being elevated events in uh Phoenix WM, Phoenix Open, the Genesis Invitational last week at the API. Uh, Short game's getting better, and I love his wedge play. So whoever his coach is, I mean, he used to just be a, you know, a bomber who could make a lot of putts, and those are the tracks we'd like him at. But also, when he plays on these less-than-driver courses and the club down, so I kind of comped it more towards, you know, Mayakoba, Harbortown, uh, TPC, 
where they played the Travelers and then the RSM. He's finished 35th at Harbortown last go around, 35th at the Travelers and 10th at the RSM. Again, just one of the best iron players on the PGA Tour right now for some reason. I don't know. Again, shout out to his swing coach, whatever's going on there. I would like to hire that guy for my game. Um, but again, just a, a little bit of a number grab for me. I had him at plus 160, so I finally do get to go over that threshold of 30 points that I look for in the placement market. But I will also be sprinkling a little bit on Wyndham Clark, 180 to 1, I believe. Uh, actually, you could probably get a 200 to 1 out there, depending on what state you live in. But I just really think this is a fantastic setup for for Wyndham Clark, the new and improved ball striking Wyndham Clark. So if we look on the PGA Tour Live's featured hole coverage on 17, if you look really hard, will we find a hammer kit over there on that 17th green? <laughs> no, probably not. No, I wish. I will be in Florida this week, but uh, down in like the Southwest. So not close to the tournament. Otherwise, I would have loved to go and see it. I know you uh, you played the course and been there a while. I, I would love to see the property someday, but not this week, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a breathtaking property, and there's really nothing like it, quite frankly. Uh, Spencer, what's your uh, rationale for backing Billy Ho this week over Gary Woodland? So we always talk on this show about trying to find opponents to take on versus ones we want to back. And I think this is the prime example of that scenario. Look, I I think Billy Horschel's fine. Like Nick and I had some conversations on our Better Golf Pod show about this. I think he's an intriguing play in various aspects of the market. I wouldn't say that I necessarily love his profile. And if we're directly comparing, I don't think it's as troubling as I found in another head-to-head matchup that I considered in Sepp Straka over Patrick Rogers. But the fact that Horschel had a two-year security inside my model that graded out as a top 50-ish golfer was enough for me to overlook some of the negative traits in 2023 because of the massive flaws to Woodland's outlook. We see that with him grading outside the top 85 in all five ways that I ran my model. There's only been one top 70 finish for him in his past five attempts at this track. And then some of the components of my model generated these eye-popping expectations. So like, for example, the weighted scrambling graded 131st. He landed 106 for weighted scoring. Um, The par three and par four scoring returns each graded outside the top 100 of this field. I just think at the end of the day, Woodland misses the cut. And that's kind of why I'm willing to lay a little bit more juice than I typically do on these wagers because Look, I mean, we can talk about this being a quote-unquote home event for Horschel. Obviously, anything in Florida is his Super Bowl of golf. Like, he wants to win Florida tournaments more than he maybe even wants to win a major sometimes, which, you know, that's a wild statement to be made. But I actually think it is realistic with him. He's very, everything Florida to him means a lot. So, I I think he's going to give his best effort. I think he's going to get to the weekend. And if you're telling me that Woodland has a chance To not make the weekend, that's kind of where that equity comes into play for me that I think we can get this done before Saturday takes place. And maybe Gary Woodland's busy trying to watch his Kansas Jayhawks in that Big 12 tournament as well. Um, (laughs) The motivational edge goes to Billy Ho. Statistical edge also goes to Billy Ho there. Uh, For my best bet, Justin Sutt, top 40. I'm betting on a guy who has a little bit more upside than we've seen. And we know that Sal was one of those players from the class of 2019 who was really hyped up like a Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, Helen Morikawa, but he didn't realize success as soon as they did. He's a player who was hyped as being a potentially elite putter, and he's gained over four strokes in four of the last 
five tournaments on the greens. So I think we're tr finally starting to see that form. And he's also gained at least two strokes in the last four tournaments on approach. So I liked that. And additionally, he's got four top 40 finishes, a few of them in some really big time fields. So I'm going to take a chance on him continuing his strong form. And I think putting is important this week as those greens are lightning quick uh, with the Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass. And um, I really like Dustin Suds, a shot on upside. I don't know that I'd bet him to win the tournament, but at least for a top 40, I think there's value so far this week. Guys? Yeah, I, I just really quickly on that, Roberto, because you brought up this point and I kind of just want to double down on it. So when Justin Suh was at USC, and I have seen this so many times from his coach there, and I unfortunately don't know what his name is off the top of my head right now. Maybe you do, Roberto. But uh, he compared him to Jordan Spieth when we're talking about putting from distance. So that would be your, you know, 20, 25 plus foot putts that he had that propensity and that kind of like inclination to just be able to go wild all of a sudden with it and start draining putts. And I think that's the one thing that we have not necessarily seen from him as much on the PGA tour. He's been consistent. He's making a lot of cuts. I think you make a really good point when you say he's a better golfer than what we've gotten from him. Let's just see where this ends up going with it. And, and I think for the time being placement bets probably make the most sense until he can take that next step with his game. And I'll also add, he's got karma on his side. He hit a drive of a couple weeks ago over at Riviera, number 10, the iconic hole. Drove it way left, tried to pitch it over some palm trees and actually got it stuck in the palm tree. And while some players would say, hey, my ball's for sure right there in that palm tree. Let me get this drop right here. He didn't take that drop. He ended up having to go back to stroke and distance um, because he couldn't exactly identify his ball. We've seen other players, wink, wink, identify their ball <laughs> on other tours. Uh, he didn't do that. And since then, he's got a top five and a T24 at the Honda Classic and the API. So let's see if he can keep it rolling, keep that karma going. Guys, what are your outright plays this week at TPC Sawgrass? Nick, I'll start with you again. All right. Wyndham Clark, I touched on that. I do like Billy Horschel a ton. I know Spencer's more using him to pick on Gary Woodland, but I did find a 180 to 1 on Billy Horschel that I like. Uh, Xander Shoffley is probably my favorite outright play. I think this is the week we finally see him really step it up in this season. Uh, 28 to one is the best in the market that I could find. Keith Mitchell, 60 to one. And then again, uh, when on better golf, when Spencer really didn't give me an answer to this question, I'm leaning between Matt Fitzpatrick at 38 to one or Cameron Young at 44 to one. I think I'm going with Cameron Young, but boys, I need a pod play Matt Fitz or Cameron Young. Um, no option C. It's got to be one of those two. Well, te technically, I did give a pick. I did give an option C of neither. But yes, exactly. uh, I'll let Roberto answer that, and then I guess I will let I will give my answer if I was to pick between the two. Roberto, Fitzy, or Young? I have bet one of these two outright to win, and it is Cameron Young. All right. So I'll get into why I like Cameron Young. He's been solid on Pete Dye courses. T three at Harbor Town. Uh, Nick, you mentioned Harbortown's one of the courses you well done, were comparing this to. You also mentioned the Travelers course, TPC River Highlands. Both of those, along with um, the one at the American Express, uh, the stadium course there, all are yep. die courses. So I use that in my um, in my analysis this week. He also was a T26 at Amex. And Cameron Young, three top 20s in his last four starts. The only one that wasn't a top 20 was the week after he finished second at the Saudi International. He flew all the way across the world to play in the Phoenix open. And understandably he 
finished, I think, 64th. He missed the cut. But I like Cameron Young with it being – with the course favoring distance a little bit more than it has previously with softer conditions in March. I love his distance. I love his uh, strong putting, and I love his approach play. Uh, I love Cameron Young. He's only got one appearance here. It was a missed cut last year, and it was his third worst tournament on approach in his last 25 starts, so somewhat about an outlier there. And the strokes gain around the green is – the biggest question mark for me with him, but he had his best strokes gain around the green performance in his last 25 starts in this tournament last year. I also think he had the bad end of the draw on that one after he was one under through the first round. So I like Cameron young and at 44 to one, I don't know how many times we're going to see him. So even if he wasn't in form, I would think this might be a number play situation for me, but he is in form and I absolutely love the play. I know Spencer's going to hate it. Yeah. Spencer eat that one, buddy. Cameron Young. <laughs> I, I plead the fifth on this. Like, I'm just not going to get to either. The one positive thing that I'll say about Cameron Young mm-hmm. is I, I do think his profile sets up well for TPC Sawgrass. I don't know if he's there right now with his game. We have not seen it on Pete Dye courses historically where he has found success. Necessarily, we have not seen it when greens have gotten really fast. Like, I, I kind of think of like masters and tournaments like that to where he's burned people historically when the greens have gotten undulation and speed to them and all that. Now it doesn't mean that he can't turn it around. He's a young golfer that has a huge ceiling to him. So maybe this is the week it happens, but like for me, I want to see it before. And that doesn't mean he has to win, but I want to see him produce a top 10 finish before I jump in. It seems like a lot to me that he would come and win this event on a Pete Dye course and, I don't know. I'm out for that reason more than anything. Roberto over under one and a half Eagles for Cameron Young on number 12. Ooh, on 12. Uh, I'm not quite sure where they're going to put the tees every hole every year. You could probably get there with three wood. Day, but I think as long as they're not playing it, I think around 358-ish is the back tee. If they move it up, I th- I'll say he gets one, not three. Um, right. not, <laughs> not, three. not over one and a half. Uh, I say they make it reachable three out of the four days and he gets at least one this All is right. not i think he can make eagles on if you gave me total eagles i would go over because number two is gettable number 16 yep. very very gettable so i think not only birdies on the par fives but eagles are going to be important this week let's get it's, it it's not necessarily the same example like i think these courses are are different but if you look at what he did at the open championship, like every, like one of the reasons why I liked him was his ability to just bomb the driver out there on the short par fours and then use that short iron proximity wedge game of his to try to find success. Like, look, there may be some of that that comes into play on some of the shorter par fours and the par fives. Like that's one of the reasons why I guess like he quote unquote fits this tournament. I don't know, just from a metric standpoint, there was just too much that I did not like on the back end of it. So it's like really good way to tee to green player for me. Uh, really big red flags when we look at the Pete Dye, the fast, you know, mixed conditions that we're going to get here. So Spencer, if Cam Young, Matt Fitzpatrick aren't on your outright card, then who is? I mean, I think this is the week, you guys, right? We have to do the Jason Day bet this week. Oh, we've been so- muted. So I want to I want to give a couple answers before I get into why I like Jason Day and why this is not just like a, a funny joke for this tournament. Okay. I, I like Patrick Cantlay. I don't like the number on Patrick Cantlay. I think Cantlay's a golfer that I would like to try to find an in-tournament wager on. Maybe the same answer can be given about Victor Hovland. Uh, Justin Thomas fix, fits that mix with it. 
I want to see where those guys are. I most likely will definitely end up with a Patrick Cantlay play at some point. I don't know if that's coming on Thursday night after round one. I don't know if that's coming on Saturday when he's in contention. I'm just going to be active on this board and try to see where everything leads me there. Because that reason is in play and I'm trying to save units from an in-tournament perspective, it's kind of day and a bunch of long shots for me. I'm not trying to become overexposed here. Like I'm not necessarily thinking I'm going to hit the winner with the name going to be Jason Day. But other than Jason Day, it's a bunch of long shots here. But look, I give a lot of Jason Day answers on podcasts and articles. Believe it or not, for everybody listening, I don't even know at this point if people will believe it. It's mostly a shtick at this point. Uh, I don't actually bet him to win every week. However, I have not run a model that has been this bullish on him in years. He ranks second overall, first when taking that same primary output and using only 2023 statistics. And while the upside from a two-year perspective did shift him outside of my top 10, the recent form was good enough to project him as a top five win equity option when running only data from the last two months. Now, I wouldn't advise that strategy in a vacuum situation since it is the prime way of how you walk into these massive movements that may not be sustainable. I I feel like that's what we talk about a lot here is when people run short-term data, markets react to the short-term data and public betters react to the short-term data. And you run into these spots to where you've missed the movement at that point. I understand that. Even with that being said, Jason Day still is grading as a top 10 golfer for me. And then when I move it into just being recent, all of a sudden he jumps into being a top five golfer. So, um, you know, there's a lot of movement that's taken place. There's a lot of numbers out there that we need to talk about with it. Technically, anything above 25 to one is going to be value for me. I was fortunate to find it at 36 to one. You got it a month ago. You got it at 80 to one. Like there's a lot of different entry points into this. And I think you're going to be able to find one of those entry points. You just need to be aware of like, you know, don't go too low with it because you are chasing a number at a certain point. I took Siwoo Kim at 80 to one. I think when we look at Thomas and Day and Siwoo, those are all golfers that have won this event before. They all grade inside the top 10 for me. When I look at different iterations of my model, the big difference here is Day and Thomas are top 10 favorites. Siwoo is a name that can be found further down the board. Nick, I'm going to have you close your ears here. I grabbed Brian Harmon at 175 to one. I know the counter arguments that I assume Nick will give is that Harmon doesn't have genuine win equity, but all those recent miscuts have presented a price that I believe is probably double where it should have been a few months ago. Somewhere in that, I mean, I'll even be a little bit more cautious with it than what my numbers had. Let's say the 80 to 125 range was probably more proper of where he should be i could run numbers that would make this lower and i know that makes nick cringe probably hearing that because that's not a player that he likes but uh pete die layouts he has two top tens here in the last three years i like him on fast screens there's a lot that comes into play there of why i think he actually does have win equity and then i am going to grab i guess what i will call the rotten apple that nobody wants to talk about and take hideki matsuyama at 90 to 1 It's one of those things where 99% of people who hear this won't punch the ticket. That's fine. I'm not, I think if you were considering Hideki, this might be enough to push you into it. And I think there's 99% of people that are going to hear this that were out no matter what I could say here. I understand that. I, I think when we talk about safety and things of that nature, there's nothing to be said there. I don't know where the injury concerns are. I don't know what to expect with his game, but these are head to head answers that I keep giving. I want win potential when I punch a ticket. And a healthy Hideki is half the price. And when we look at his 2023 numbers, if he had more clarity here, 
I think we would have gotten half the price here. So I'm going to take a shot fully expecting him to probably miss the cut at the end of the day. But to me, I want that tangible win equity. And this is not a head-to-head bet. This is not me saying take Hideki to a versus Fitzpatrick or Cameron Young, who obviously have more safety than him. This is let's shoot for the moon and hope that whatever we've heard about Hideki isn't necessarily in play. So last week on the show, I gave out Hideki, I believe it was 38th plus or minus two shots or two places or better as my best bet. And then I bet him outright as well. On Wednesday, I heard that he withdrew from a pro-am. And so I had an article up on Action Network giving out that same bet and then had to update the file saying that he had withdrawn. And then I actually decided to bet on him plus 150 to miss the cut last week. Thankfully, I think he shot 77 on Friday. So he missed the cut, which will help you, Spencer, because that gives him a little extra time to rest potentially. And if you want to bet on Decky this week, I think going with upside is the way to do it. We know how elite he can be with his irons. And we know that short game on these Pete Dye courses is important as well. So I like the play at 90 to one. I'm out on it this week, but potentially a live play is in play for me on him. I just, I just want to add one thing to that really quickly. Cause I, I once again, like the point that you brought up, that is why it's so important to be proactive in these situations here. I think we all talked about Hideki on the show. By the time the injury news had come out that he had withdrawn uh, from the pro-am portion of last week's tournament, I, I don't know for Nick. I assume Nick had, will give the same answer that you and I are giving. I was 100% out in all iterations of every single market that there was. You know, that's kind of where we record this earlier than the event starting. We're trying to find value on numbers. And sometimes injuries push things in the other direction. The same thing happened with Matthew Fitzpatrick with me at Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. I went to where he was my one and done pick. I had him all over the board and then concerns came in with injuries. And all of a sudden I pivoted to Hovland and Rose for everything that I did. And fortunately that worked out for me in that regard there. So, you know, a lot of what you hear here, obviously, like it's our initial looks of what we're trying to find. Things can change in the market. And that's what I want to stress to everybody listening is that what we might like today doesn't always come into play. Like, obviously these bets, some of them we're going to get stuck into and you're not going to be able to get out of, but if news comes in or markets move in the opposite direction or something from my model starts pushing something in a different way than I anticipated on a Monday or Tuesday, there are ways to then bet Hideki to miss the cut and still have exposure to where you had if you couldn't get out of it. Guys, for my outright card this week, you've already mentioned the guys. So I have, I have Siwoo Kim. I only got him at 66 instead of 80 like Spencer, but love his history. He's got a win at the Amex, which is one of those Pete Dye courses. He's got a win at the Players. Uh, obviously, the, the course they're playing this week. And he's got a solo second at the RBC Heritage in 2018 as well. Uh, he was also seven under in the first round in 2020, of uh, the COVID year when it eventually was canceled the day after that. And we know Hideki Matsuyama was actually winning that tournament at nine under par uh, on that first day. Um, so shout out to Hideki again. Like I said, I'm on Cameron Young. And Spencer, I want to ask you about this next one. Because I did bet Patrick Cantlay. I didn't love the price, but I just love how solid he is all around and on a course that's relatively tough to predict because it doesn't necessarily suit one type of player like a bomber or a plotter, but really someone who's in their best form and playing their best golf that week, which is one reason why I think it's an awesome golf course. But Cantlay has that extra gear and he is playing great golf coming off a of T3 
and a T or off a third place and a fourth place finish his last two starts, gaining strokes all across the board. And although he doesn't have great course history on this course, he was 500 in 2020 after the first round when it was canceled. He's got a two at the RBC Heritage. And in his last 14 starts, so this one isn't including the Travelers, but in his last 14 starts at the Players, the Amex, and the RBC Heritage, he has seven top nine finishes. No wins on those courses. Uh, those are all PTI courses again, but seven top nine finishes. And four of those finishes were in the top three. So he's established that he has clear upside on similar courses and this course, um, but he doesn't have a win. I hate going below 20 to one on the board. So I did this only to win six units instead of the standard eight units, but I wanted some exposure to Patrick Cantley at 17 to one on the enhanced win at bet 365 because he's got an early morning tea time. And with the winds projected to be around 15 miles an hour, had he been in the afternoon, I would have waited till potentially live during the tournament, right before maybe the second hole or the 11th hole or 16th hole to bet him live or potentially after the first round, depending on how he was playing. But I'm afraid he's going to go out and, and go low in round one, and I'm not going to be able to find a number better than this once a tournament starts. I also wanted to ask Spencer if he has any value at 30 to one for first round leader. Uh, yes. To the first round leader answer for sure. And um, that was kind of my mentality of how I was going to play it. So I did take Cantley to be first round leader um, to try to get some of that exposure to him. If he does go off, I, I think you bring up interesting points though, to where I'm okay with the mentality of getting Cantley at a number that's maybe lesser at some point. I mean, and that's even like, I have enough room in my card to where if I need to lay a little bit more to go that route, that's fine. And, and if that's a Saturday night thing to where, you know, he is four to one or five to one to win this tournament, I still think there's entry points. Obviously I can't bet him to win this typical eight units. And from an, in, uh, from an in-tournament perspective, I never bet anybody to win more than five anyway. So <clears throat> I probably couldn't even get up to that number for obvious reasons. Like I don't want to lay a unit if he was at five to one, you know, hypothetically speaking there, but he's going to make my card. I guess it just comes down to how and when I want to add him. And it's, it's intriguing because I kind of think he's going to blitz this course to start. And if that's the case, I'm afraid he's all of a sudden six to 10 to one or, you know, whatever the number is to win this thing after Thursday. And unfortunately I'm not going to bet it at that price. I'd rather the event move on a little bit more at that point to try to find a number. So I don't know, like, obviously I wanted 25 to one plus there were numbers out there early in the week and I just missed the movement on it. But when we look at his scoring totals, he's 17th in my model for weighted par three scoring. He's number one in weighted par four scoring. He's number one in par five birdie or better percentage. When we look at overall birdie or better percentage, he's first. Um, overall bogey avoidance, he's sixth. When we run these numbers only for 2023, he's second for birdie or better. He is second for bogey avoidance. I mean, I, look, I know he's missed three cuts in a row. That's the downside to this, but we want win equity at the end of the day. And I kind of think Cantley is going to win this event. You talked me a little bit into trying to find a way to back him. And, and I think that that's a savvy way to go about it is to lower your... I guess, win exposure of what you're doing, like six units versus whatever. I'm probably not going to do it and going to cross my fingers that I get an opening on him, but I might get boxed out a little bit and might have to take a Saturday night number if it comes to that. And so you mentioned he's got three straight missed cuts here, but in the two tournaments before that, I think he had two top 25 finishes. He did, yes. And, uh, I think he was like T5-ish. Um, 
in the canceled one after first round. So some mixed history for him on this course, uh, which makes sense given the disparity in how shots turn out with balls being in the water or birdie opportunities, depending on if you execute or not. Uh, yep. Guys, let's run through the rest of your cards. Nick, I'll start with you. Any other placement bets or any other uh, markets you're in besides outrights and your top 40 bet? Yeah, I got Nate Lashley, top 40, plus 250. Uh, ties paid in full there. Adam Savenson, top 40, plus 230. Will Gordon, top 40. I can't stop. Ooh, Will go. Okay. Uh, he shot like a plus 20 on Saturday last week. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> three to one for Will Gordon in the top 40 market. Wyndham Clark, two to one, plus 200, top 40, as we talked about earlier. And Billy Horschel, top 40, plus 180. Nick. Before we go to Spencer's plays, I wanted to circle back. I forgot to comment on this. Xander Shoffley was the player I waffled about betting on this week outright. You bet on him. Because I bet on Patrick Cantley, I didn't. I wanted to save some room on my card uh, for potential live plays, and I didn't bet Shoffley. But why do you really like him this week? I like the wedge play for Xander coming into this. So I know he's kind of disappointed. I pull up his past results right quick. I mean, the putter is getting hot. Approach game is not where it was. I guess at the API was not a great one, but WM Phoenix Open loved him there. He was losing strokes around the green and couldn't putt. I think as long as that putter gets hot and his wedge play is where it is, how it's been all year, I think this is a fantastic trend. If you look at all the previous winners, Justin Thomas, Cam Smith, um, who else we have before? I mean, Webb's previous winner, Jason Day, all of those guys were very, very good wedge players. And I say that from like, you know, 100 or 50 to 100 yards, 50 to 115. I guess these pros probably play a wedge longer than 115. So that's my wedge play area. So probably 50 to, to 130 range. Uh, Xander's absolutely tearing that up so far this year. I think that's he's getting hot at the right time and no one's talking about him. My numbers had him at 19 to 1. So, again, just me trying to find value. I had a little bit of value on Cantlay, you guys talked about, but everybody else up top that I truly liked, like obviously my numbers like them, but I want to like them as well. Xander was the one that checked that box. And for me, it's mainly because of, you know, what he could do on club down courses, how accurate he is with his driver. But it's that wedge play that pushed me over the edge and the fact that I'll kind of bet on the come that his putter can get hot enough to keep him in the tournament. Nick, really quickly, what do you have as proper for Patrick Cantlay? Cantlay. I have him at 14 to 1. Oh, so man. 17, it just wasn't one. Like, Pat, my numbers absolutely love him. It's Rory, Scotty, Rom, then Cantlay. I feel like I'm going to get trapped into this putting it now because I kind of, <laughs> like, it's not enough. I wanted over 20. I mean, in reality, like, over 20 to 1. If he would have been 22 to 1, that was kind of the range, like, 25 was the ideal number to really get the value that I wanted. Cause I'm actually, as much as I like, I'm not as aggressive as you are with the price that I find proper, but no, my know, numbers but... love him. But today he's 16, 15 to one, depending on where you're shopping. That's just not enough for me to get there. So I'll, I'll keep an eye on him live like you guys, but yeah, I, I would have loved to get like a, a 22 number. That's but what I would have liked. Yeah. Like, yeah, that would have been fun. And again, you can find him at 17 to one on bet 365. That's the best price in the market. Yep. Um, oftentimes. So if you look on bet 365s uh, to win outright, a lot of those are with each way betting. But if you go to the advanced win, enhanced win, uh, where it's just to win, you can oftentimes find a better number there than across the market. So they're great. They, they do a great job with their outright bets. hundred percent. And the same thing with their positional bets. Like mm -hmm. they, I have so many bets in the positional market this week that it's disgusting. And once again, 
The Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game or tournament and get $200 free. Spencer, what else is on your card this week? So as I kind of alluded to, I went crazy in the placement market. I don't know if that's the best strategy for the, a course that's always ready for implosions, but I essentially grabbed 10 players. I don't know if you've ever heard me give that answer before <laughs> and split my exposure on them between top 40 bets and then bet three, six, five positional finishes. I'll talk about some of my favorite ones. We might be here all day if I went through each one. Uh, I'm definitely more on the Gabby side of explaining things. So we don't need that to make this a two hour show. Um, you know, if somebody else comes up at some point, I'll try to mention if I have exposure to them in one of these markets, but I'll start with Brendan Todd at plus 225. That would be 68th or better on bet 365. The 2023 version of him is better than the two-year running data that I have. But the difference here between some other scenarios is that the market hasn't reacted to his recent solid play. Sure, there's been a boom or bust output that has kept the price enhanced. But he's performed well at this at courses that you would expect because of his distance-inclined nature affecting him elsewhere. Uh, one example of that would be Pebble Beach. I think any time that he can club down, it's just a better fit for him where you could make an argument. And I think, Roberto, you made this argument that because now we're playing this in March and it's a little bit softer, sure, distance matters ever so slightly more. But to me, this is still a positional golf course above anything else. Like you can't just bring out a driver and bomb away. Now, guys who club down like a Cameron Young are going to be able to be more likely to hit a fairway if they're using clubs that make it easier for them to hit a fairway than a guy that's using something a little bit more, I guess, sketchy in that regard. But I still like Brendan Todd here. I think he's a really good fit. I think plus 225 is a great number. I'm going to go back to Tom Hoagie at plus 140. That's uh, 63rd or better on bet 365. It's one of the most shocking miscuts that I've seen last week that kind of imploded a lot of the value that I had on him. Six over through his final four holes to miss the cut is about as bad as I've ever seen. But the data placed him inside the top 25 of my model in all five iterations of how I ran it. And then the last one I'll talk about on here, Adam Hadwin plus 160, 63rd or better on Bet365. Obviously, I went really aggressive with all these names, but the Bet365 market seemed really conducive for me to want to take shots. There's so many golfers in that 60 or greater range that I wanted exposure to that I think are going to make the cut. And, you know, I have the top 40 bet on them. So, you know, hit four of them. I'll be profitable. Obviously that's a big exposure. Like I have six units of exposure there, which is more than I ever have in the placement market. I have two units of exposure for head to heads, so a little bit over two units. So the one would be the Horschel over Woodland play that I talked about. And then I guess I'm on my own Island this week on the place. I, uh, Sung JM minus 115 over Cameron Young. That was a number grab that I took. And I think I've talked enough about why I'm not playing Cameron Young in this tournament. But uh, I mean, it essentially just comes down to fast screens and Pete Dye tracks. Until he shows me otherwise, I'm going to go the other way with it. Spencer, we've got some commonalities between our plays. First one, I've got the exact same bet as you. I've got Tom Hoagie 63 or better. He's made the cut all four times at TBC Sawgrass with three of those finishes being uh, better than 40th or better than 63rd, sorry. Um, love the driving accuracy, love the putting, love the approach play for him. Additionally, I've got another play on Chris Kirk, 53rd or better. Guy's just on fire. He's made 
three top threes in his last five starts. And like a Tom Hoagie or a Brendan Todd, he's not a long player off the tee, but he has the ability to score with a wedge in his hand. And he's gained strokes putting and around the green in five straight events. So even if he doesn't have his A game for one or two of the four rounds, I think he can still minimize his mistakes and get to the window at 53rd or better. And I think he gets some more upside as well this week. So I don't hate plays on him in other markets as well. I've also got a play on Sung J M where I'm betting him to finish in the top 20. If you look at some of his course history on other Pete Dye tracks um, in his last seven starts combined at the Amex RBC heritage and the players, he has just one finish below 21st and zero missed cuts. Basically, you can pencil him in between 10th and 21st on those tracks. So I love his high floor. He's a guy who's going to put the ball in the fairway consistently. And it's going to be really important to score on the par fives this week. And his strokes gained per shot from the fairway from over 200 yards is um, first in the entire PJ Tour over the last 12 months. So I love his ability to potentially take advantage of these par fives. Uh, the second hole, the 11th hole, the 16th hole, uh, all are going to record, all are very, very scorable. The ninth, I think, is significantly harder than the other ones. You're going to be hitting between 30 and 50 yards longer in uh, from the back tees on that second shot. But I love Sung JM, high floor. I said it a few weeks ago that I think he's going to win sometime soon. He just missed my card at the 40 to 1, 40 to 1 range this week, but I wanted to get some exposure to him. So I'm doing that for top 20 at plus 162. And then like Spencer, I've also got a couple other more placement market bets on the finishing positions there on bet 365. Spencer, cover your ears, but oh, no. I am fading Aaron Wise this week, your boy. He doesn't have great course history here. He's got a T50, a T65, and a cut. He has been four lately losing strokes in three of the last four tournaments and below average driving accuracy in all four of his starts since the since the century tournament of champions and at that course at kapalua at century the fairways are a mile wide so everybody's hitting those fairways i'm not taking those fairways <laughs> hit numbers uh with very much uh significance and then i'm also going to fade cameron davis 75th or worse so aaron y 68 or worse basically i'm betting on these guys to miss the cut uh, so there's about 20 points of value or 20 points between their miscut numbers and their uh, placement finish positions. But if you find a better number on miscut, just do that instead. Uh, so Cam Davis, 75th or worst. His game is in the gutter and it starts with his putter being a huge liability. Six straight tournaments with lost strokes on the greens. He's lost strokes on the on approach in four of his last five tournaments. And that's supposed to be a strength of his game. So the fact that the strength of his game isn't there right now is a big concern. He also isn't a very drive, a very accurate driver of the golf ball, and that's one of his big weaknesses overall. He's been below average in four of the last five. Driving accuracy is a big thing for me this week, and he doesn't have that. So I'm fading Cameron Davis. Been fading him for a few weeks. Uh, so hopefully he keeps missing cuts, um, miscut in five straight events, and he's playing for the fourth straight week. He's searching for something, and he's coming to a to a course where he's got two starts and two missed cuts as well. So even when he was in better form, he hasn't performed well in this course. So I think it's a miscut coming up for Cam Davis, unfortunately, and maybe he proves me wrong and I'll give him a tip of the hat if that happens, but I'll believe it when I see it. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, Roberto. Like, I, I think Wisen, Cameron Davis in particular, if anybody you could name, those are the two golfers that I am always most aggressive on and my model always wants to play them. They are completely boomer bust at this point. And I think that until they show otherwise, they're almost unplayable, which means that either I am sitting out and just doing nothing or I'm opposing them in the facet that you just went about with it. So it pains me to say that, but they're just a little too boomer bust right now. Like they have positive upside, which you would expect. I mean, they have talent that's through the ceiling, but the recent results, the recent form doesn't look great. Golf's hard. I mean, you go through ruts with your game and eventually they'll figure it out, I think. And when that happens, I'll be ready to jump on them with some upside plays. But right now, I'm fading them. That's fair. Any final plays before we go to rapid fire? No, I'm uh, that's that's it for me. I mean, obviously, I have a bunch of different placement bets to where maybe you'll if you mention some of them, I'll be sure to say if I have a placement bet on them. But no, that's 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 it for me. How about you, Nick? I'm good to go. All right. Rapid fire. This one happens every week. Rank the big three of Scheffler, Rom, and McElroy. Nick, you first. Rory, Rom, Scheffler. Spencer? Rory, Scheffler, Rom. Wow, okay. Which player with odds shorter than 30 to 1 is most likely to miss the cut? Oh, who, who? Is, um... More I don't, I don't know what Jordan Spieth is at at Markets. Um, he's like 35 to 50. I'm gonna go more cow. I'm seeing 40 on speed at bet 365. Then, if I need to go lower, then probably more would be my answer, too. All right, JT or Max Homa? Max Victor Hovland Hmm? or Colin Morikawa. You guys gonna say Victor Hovland? Um, let's do Victor Hovland or Xander Shoffley. That one's easy, Xander. Hovland. What number would you need to bet Jason Day? Or what do you have in price at? I should say, because Spencer's betting him. I'll give you the exact number I have, and it's gross, and I can't believe that this is where we're at right now. Two to one. <laughs> We've kind of reached that point. <laughs> um 17 and a half to one. I got him at 24. Tony Finau or Tom Kemp? Oh man. I kind of want to say neither. Um, I'm going to go with neither, but if you make me pick one, Tom Kim. Yeah, I'll go Tom Kim. Tommy Fleetwood or Keegan Bradley? Fleetwood. I will say Fleetwood also. What number would you need to bet on Sam Burns, a guy who won a couple times on the tour last year? He is around 80 to 1 in the market this week. Like to me, that's kind of where I think it's proper to at least start considering pulling the trigger on him. I I think the one misconception that a lot of people don't realize is yes, TPC Sawgrass is Bermuda, but it's overseeded. It's like Poa Trivialis. It's your, I'm trying to, I mean, it's like a mixture of Poa and bent grass. It's not going to be Bermuda grass. So I've heard a lot of Bermuda burns. This is not Bermuda, it's dormant. So, and it's not playable. Uh, but I think even with that being said, this is probably around the number that's proper. Like if you would have given me a hundred to one, I probably would have pulled the trigger. I got him at one eleven, and I have Aaron Wise at one Oh six. So worse than Aaron Wise, not good. <laughs> All right. Last one, Ricky Fowler or Shane Lowry. Shane. Yeah. Same for me. Third I'm kind mile. of out on Fowler this week. 
I bet him last week. I'm out on him this week. But I think if you want to bet him in a in a matchup bet, he might be a safer play. I think he's got a high floor, but I don't think he's got the highest ceiling this week. Guys, really any- quickly, really quickly on that, Roberto. Um, there, I, I didn't bet it. This is not a wager that I have. There were some Keith Mitchell bets over Ricky Fowler that intrigued me that I ended up not doing because I don't necessarily think Ricky's going to miss the cut, but my numbers like Mitchell quite a bit more. Guys, where can we find your work this week? At Better Golf Pod. Yeah, you can find us at Better Golf Pod. We go over this board in a completely different way than we go about it here. So it's always a good listen. Uh, you can find me over at Tios Sports. I'll cover the tournament from every single perspective of it. And then I, if you've made it this far, I will include some plays in my Action Network article tomorrow from the placement wagers that maybe I didn't talk about on here, just so we can get some of those names in because for whatever reason, they never came up. So uh, there will be some plays that I'll throw into there if you are on the fence about certain players. I'll also have an article out on Action tomorrow, so you can check that out. Um, I've also got a game guide on the Miami Heat and Cleveland Cavaliers game. I believe it's for Friday on NBA TV. Um, only written three NBA articles this year, but we're 3-0. and We hit on Jimmy Butler, uh, points, goals, and assists over yesterday. So we're going to try to keep it rolling on Friday for you guys. Uh, and with that, We'll say thanks to everyone for tuning in this week. That'll do it for today's episode here on Links and Locks presented by Bet365. For more great golf content from our Action Network and Golf Bet team, check out our Best Bets episode from earlier this week featuring our own Jason Sobel from the Action Network and the PGA Tour's Ben Everill as they quickly run down their top plays for the Players' Championship this week. Ben Everill, of course, from the PGA Tour, right there in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. So he's down on the ground this week, and he's hearing a lot of stuff. So you might want to hear from him uh, in his sweet Australian accent. As always, be sure to check the actionnetwork.com and the Action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. You can find us on Twitter. Nick is at StixPicks. That's Sticks with an X. And also Spencer at Tioff Sports. You can find me at RobertoA213. Thanks again to everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers, Noah, Sophia, and Matt. And thanks, of course, to you, the listeners, for hanging in there with us through this whole episode. And here's to you hitting the green this week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.